You're now listening to The Architect Introspect, The Architect's official radio broadcast. My name is AJ Schaff, and happy Women's Week, everyone. I think we've had some pretty exciting things happen on campus, including a rally earlier this week. Unfortunately, I was not here to see it. But we do have a new story covering it in this week's show, so make sure that you stay tuned. Furthermore, we have news about a new time capsule being developed for Arkansas Tech by a local artist, an update on our fishing team and their recent success, news about the Tech Film Festival that is happening this month, an editorial about yellow journalism or sensationalism and how it is on the rise, and finally, we will be concluding with some sports updates. So, without further ado, let's get into our first story of the day from sports editor Olivia Orr covering the new time capsule for Arkansas Tech. Artist in Residence Creates Time Capsule Haley Bollinger, Wingate Foundation Artist in Residence for Spring 2023, is encouraging tech students and Roosevelt community to submit photos of their favorite items to be portrayed on a time capsule mural on the small building south of Norman Hall. Bollinger will design the mural herself with the submission she receives. Members of the community can submit their photos until March 11th. Bollinger moved to Arkansas in January to take on this position at Tech. Previously, she lived on the West Coast where she gained an education and created her own projects and businesses. I'm from Wyoming. I got my undergraduate degree from the University of Wyoming in Visual Fine Arts, and then I got my master's in sculpture at Arizona State, Bollinger said. I've been in Los Angeles for the last 10 years making art and working, starting various businesses. I have a dog walking business and a small gallery there. Bollinger's art gallery is called Carlos Queso Gallery, and her dog walking business emphasizes her love for animals. I love animals, she said. I've had the question, can people submit pictures of their dogs for the time capsule? I'm a sucker for that, so I will probably put a few cats and dogs in there. It's hard to say no to a beloved furry friend. As for her art, Bollinger has a deep appreciation for sculpting. I really love sculpture. There's something about it that to me is unlike any other medium. I also like welding a lot, so it's just that instant gratification of finding something, welding it together, and calling it good, Bollinger said. Whereas if you're doing a painting, you're like, that's not done until it's just right. While she gravitates more towards sculpting, the time capsule will be a painted mural. However, she looks forward to putting together a piece that portrays the community's favorite things. I love looking at people's collections, and I do a lot of watercolor paintings, so I like to do these little watercolor paintings of people's collections. So, so if you collect pigs, I'll paint all your little pigs, stuff like that. I just get excited about what people get excited about, and I think that's what makes the artwork more interactive, Bollinger said. So I propose that it be this thing that people will send their favorite things and will make a collection basically of Russellville's or Arkansas's favorite things. I appreciate the heart and soul that people put on those objects or feel about them. Bollinger encourages the community to send any of their favorite items. So far, she has received a variety of different objects. I've gotten a pair of boots, a lunchbox, a couple of stuffed animals, a really cool brass belt that looks like a woman, she said. Varying things, totally opposite sizes, and I'm excited about that. That's what I'm looking for. I want to open it up so people understand that it's really anything you want. For Bollinger, the time capsule is about involvement and representing the community in a special way. I think with something like this, you can feel a little more involved. You could come to see your object, and in 10 years from now, you can go back and look at it. I think it's the nostalgia of it that's exciting 
for my piece specifically, Bollinger said. It's a testament of who you were, who you collectively were at this time. I think that that significance is invaluable. I would be willing to bet that Lake Dardanelle is going to make it on that mural whether we like it or not, but I'm not complaining. Lake Dardanelle is a staple landmark around here, and honestly, I'm okay with it. But now it's time to move on to our next story of the day from Editor-in-Chief Tara Espinoza covering the tech fishing team and their recent achievements. This story will be read by me. The tech fishing team sent four teams to Florida to compete in the national championship. The teams were Tristan Weaver and Cole Lamb, Carson Hamilton and Austin Johnston, Jade Kraft and Grant Bearden, and Matt Higby and John Foster. Quote, the team started when a group of students created the idea, Cody Neal, fishing team coach, said. Quote, tech was able to get the support and find the right faculty members and it has been a hit from there." Neil is new to the coach role, but has embraced all aspects and wants the team to succeed on the water and in life. Quote, I want to take the team further, Neil said. There are many things that go into bass fishing from the type of water to the color you are throwing. This means it's my role to help teach people that, but I also want to teach bigger lessons, end quote. The biggest lesson Neil teaches the members is, quote, to get support, you need to give it, end quote, which leads the team to participate in campus events. They have attended tailgates, givebacks, and academic events. Quote, I have been on the team for four years now, and it is the sole reason I applied to tech, Weaver said. It has allowed me to travel the country, make new friends, and become one big family with my teammates, end quote. This was Weaver's last college national championship, and during his time on the team, he was treasurer and vice president. Quote, going to the championships is always a great time, especially in Florida, he said. Quote, those out-of-state ones take you out of your comfort zone, and it challenges. My teammate Lamb and I had the same plan to enjoy our last tournament and catch as many fish as possible, end quote. While at the tournament, Weaver caught his personal best a largemouth bass weighing eight pounds. Another student that attended the tournament was the team's president, Hamilton, and this was his third one to fish in with his teammate, Johnston. Quote, going to Florida and being able to fish was neat, Hamilton said. Quote, the atmosphere was different, but fun to learn, and this opportunity to represent tech and our team was amazing. End quote. New to the team is Bearden, and this was his first year fishing at the championship and called it a dream to attend. Quote, you are surrounded by the best fishermen in college fishing, and that's an accomplishment in itself, Bearden said. Quote, I came to Tech because they are the top fishing program in the state, and they offer so many growth opportunities, end quote. While the goal is winning the tournament, Bearden notes that having fun and creating memories are also crucial. Quote, we all practice very hard to reach our goals, he said. Quote, it's not always easy, but you make friends and learn from your mistakes while gaining new experiences, end quote. All three students thank families, friends, and tech for supporting them. They also want to give a special thank you and shout out to their coach, Neil, and his wife for stepping up and helping the team. 
Quote, they have really helped us with sponsors, fundraisers, and so much more. The fishing team is going places. Great things are coming from the team. End quote. Now, I've been here for two years. I'm a sophomore, so I should know these things, but I had no idea that we had a fishing team here at Tech. So it's really exciting to hear that we have one and that they're doing really well. I hope they continue to do well in the future as they represent Arkansas Tech. But now it's time to move on to our next story of the day from contributing writer Denzel Navolt, covering the film festival here at Arkansas Tech. This story will be read by me. Tech has a movie theater, but only once a year, and it is around for the last three weeks of March. There are no tickets, lines, or waits, and they only show one film a night. The 8th International Film Festival runs from March 1st to 16th, and it's a completely free way to get a complete cinema experience with an exotic twist. The 8th International Film Festival is an annual event where anyone can enjoy screenings of foreign films curated by professors from the World Language Facility. Each show begins at 7pm and lasts for the movie's duration. The event is in Doc Bryan in the last three weeks of March, every spring semester. Quote, These movies are not Hollywood movies. They don't have the same plots or language, and they often explore subjects that may be avoided in America because of the controversy. Philip Van Hout, librarian, professor of French, and event organizer, said, To help facilitate a better understanding before and after the movies, there is a casual open discussion. Think of a book club, but for films. Most topics focus on themes illustrated in each movie. Others are specifically designed to offer a window into other cultures and share timeless messages that college-age students should be able to relate to. The film festival might boost your grade. Many courses offer extra credit for attending, including the world language courses and several English classes. A small group of students that attended the showing of Was Tun Wins Brent gave the film glowing reviews. Elise Clark elaborated, saying, quote, I think it's a great film. Another student, Ivy Bryant, said that the movie was a, quote, solid 9 out of 10. A complete list of the films being shown and their descriptions and themes can be found at filmfest.atu.edu. For more information, contact Van Hout at pvanhout at atu.edu, spelled p-v-a-n-h-o-u-t-t-e at atu.edu. For more information on that, please visit our website at architectnews.com, especially if you need to spell that email or go to the website. Now it's time to move on to our next story, which covers the Women's Week events that happened earlier this week from Editor-in-Chief Tara Espinoza. This story will be read by me. The kickoff for Women's Week started on March 6th with the annual Walk a Mile in Her Shoes event. The rally stayed at Hinsman Bell Tower, and participants were able to hear from the community members, observe Tech's first clothesline project, and meet various organizations such as the Ozark Rape Crisis Center and River Valley Women's Shelter. 
People of all gender identities were welcome to walk a mile to help advocate against sexual and relationship violence while supporting survivors. However, males were invited to go an extra mile by walking in bright red heels. The red heels are to represent listening, learning, allyship, and commitment. For more information about this, please visit our website at architectnews.com. Just a short and sweet recap on the event by Tara Espinoza. You love to see it. Now it's time to move on to this week's editorial, and I'll preface this by saying that an editorial is the official opinion of the paper on a topical issue. So please keep that in mind, and let's get straight into it. It's breaking news. At least, that's what all the headlines are calling it. Is all of this news really so breaking, though, or is it just yellow journalism? Yellow journalism, according to Oxford, is journalism that is based on sensationalism or crude exaggeration. The hallmark of yellow journalism is the use of eye-catching headlines or modern-day clickbait in order to increase sales. As a newspaper team, the architect is familiar with the techniques of yellow journalism. We, too, are guilty of making a sensational headline every now and then. However, we have noticed a growing trend in yellow journalism over the last year. This trend is not the same as the trend of clickbait produced by social media and web news, though it is co-related. This trend is one of sensational news being produced by big media outlets. These are outlets that are not your usual tabloid. We expect yellow journalism from tabloids. That is the whole point of tabloid journalism. Because of that, it is easy to recognize a tabloid and know that all of the news in it is going to be exaggerated and untrustworthy. The problem the architect is seeing today is significant news sources like the Washington Post, Fox News, CNN, and others using the same techniques as these tabloids. This is a problem for a few reasons. Firstly, Bigger news sources are trusted by their viewers to be informational and more trustworthy. They already have thousands of people who read their news. They should not resort to sensational headlines like a desperate small news company. This contributes to the already dire spread of misinformation. This kind of journalism is also often fear-mongering. This means that it instills anxiety in society by exaggerating and misleading. Normal small problems suddenly become major issues. These things then become politicized and divides are forged. There are often issues sensationalized in the media that are likely to There are often issues sensationalized in the media that are likely things that happen all the time. However, the media locks onto it, and for a week everyone is suddenly worried about foreign spies, secret documents, or somebody's personal emails. Yet, once this week is over, everyone moves on and doesn't care. It is as if it was never a serious problem in the first place, and it probably never was. Another problem is that headlines and stories like these can distract from important issues. Humanitarian problems like natural disasters are pulled away by things like celebrity weddings and Congress scandals. Things that deserve the public's attention get hidden behind dividing news stories that often don't matter. Yellow journalism has been a problem for a long time. There are many things that cause it, and many more reasons why it is a problem. 
there may be a better way to stop the media from using these techniques, but we can educate ourselves and recognize when they use yellow journalism. The better we can decode the news we are reading and find what is really important, the better we can keep ourselves from falling victim to misinformation and sensationalism. Check your sources and use multiple sources. That's all I've got to say and that's all you need to make sure that you're getting trustworthy news. And now it's time to move on to our last story of the day from, once again, sports editor Olivia Orr covering the Wonder Boys' recent victory. Boy, what a wonder. Wonder Boys baseball sweeps Henderson State in an impressive comeback. March 4th through 5th, the Wonder Boys went on a three-game winning streak against Henderson State. They took two wins on Saturday before beating Henderson again on Sunday. Tech was slow to get a run on the board in their first game, but scored one run in the fourth inning, following Henderson scoring two runs in the third inning. Both teams picked up speed in the sixth inning as Henderson and Tech scored four runs, putting the score at 6-5. Tech would make a comeback in the seventh inning, granting the Wonder Boys a 9-6 win. The Wonder Boys started strong in the second game, scoring two runs in the first inning and an additional eight runs in the second inning. Tech only allowed Henderson to score one run in the second inning. Henderson put five more runs on the board throughout the game to try to lessen the losing gap, but two more runs from Tech and strong defense left Henderson behind. Tech started in a tight spot in the final game as Henderson scored 12 runs in the first two innings, while the Wonder Boys remained with no runs. A successful 10-run inning helped Tech tighten the game 13-12, Henderson still pulling ahead. Tech kept their momentum, scoring four runs in the fifth inning, two in the sixth, and an impressive eight runs in the final inning. Henderson only managed to put two more runs on the board, giving the Wonder Boys a 26-15 victory and an impressive comeback. And that's all the time we have for today. However, I didn't get to cover everything in the paper, such as an opinion on the gym and the sequel to a short story, so make sure you check that out in this week's paper. The music of today's broadcast was provided by C418 and is called Stall. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Architect Introspect on 91.9 KXRJ. We'll be here once again Thursday at 6 p.m. <laughs>